All right. All right. Thanks for coming, everybody. Um, good to see you all, as always. Happy Tuesday. I'm glad that you could be with us tonight. Um, so, like Bryce said, uh, we are continuing our Bad Decision series, uh, trying to make sure that we cover all our bases about what not to do next year, um, and then we're going to not do it. So, uh, we get to be overly critical of people in the Bible that did bad things, and uh, it's a fun time. So, uh, so this is our third week, and uh, the first week we were in 1 Kings 12, looked at Rehoboam, uh, the first king of, uh, after Solomon, uh, where the kingdom of Israel split into the northern and southern kingdoms. Uh, and then the second week, last week, we were in 1 Kings chapter 13, and looked at the unnamed man of God, and that he disobeyed a direct command of God, and we shouldn't do that. And tonight, uh, we aren't going to be in 1 Kings 15, but that's where the story is. Uh, we're actually going to be look at it in 2 Chronicles 16. That's the parallel story. There's just more detail there. Um, so you can go ahead and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 16, and we're going to look at King Asa tonight. And he is the third king of the kingdom of Judah, uh, so there was Rehoboam, and then there's Abijah, or sometimes called Abijam, and then there's King Asa. And so that's, that's where we're at tonight. And Asa is the first good king uh, that, that the Lord said he was good, um, that's recorded for us. And he actually reigned for like a long time, like 41 years, which is pretty long. There's only like two or three others that reigned longer than that. Um, so we're going to look at his story tonight. And just as an overview, he fights a couple of battles, and he's, in a roundabout way, victorious in both, at least on the short term, um, which we'll see. But his approach to each battle is completely opposite. Uh, In one battle, he relies on God completely, and in the other one, not so much. And so that's uh, what we're looking at tonight, and the bad decision that he made is to not rely on God. Uh, So that's the title of uh, tonight's message. And to rely, that, the verb rely, to rely, um, you know, it's, it's like to rest on something, to have confidence in it, and to rely. If you lie on something, as this root of lie, or to lay, if you lay on something, like you, you're, well, you, I hope you lay on something when you rest, when you go to sleep. Um, but it's, it's what you are, what's supporting you, what you have confidence in, what you have trust in. And to my surprise, if you look up the word rely or the past tense relied in your Bible, this, it's only four times. It only appears four times. And three out of the four are actually in our passage tonight. Um, so I think that there's something we can learn about relying on God from our passage. Um, the other one isn't too far off. It's in Second Chronicles 13. Um, but like I said, um, Asa was a good king. Uh, he was obedient and, and obeyed the Lord, um, certainly in the early years of his life, um, very well. Uh, there was, in the first like 10 years of his reign, uh, there was obedience and peace. Uh, he was following the commandments of the Lord, and the kingdom of Judah was growing, uh, and growing in strength and in righteousness. And he had some exceptional victories during that time. Um, probably about 12 years into his reign uh, is, is his, this first battle uh, where he did it right. So I want to take a look at that real quick. And that's in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 14, verses 9 through 12. And it says, And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots, and came unto Maresha. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathah at Maresha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help 
whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let no man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Right, so, so during this first battle, uh, in his early reign, uh, the, he relied on the Lord, um, completely relied on the Lord. And, and we'll look at it in more detail a little bit later, but uh, you can see that he says that the battle was the Lord's. It wasn't his. The Ethiopians, they came out against the Lord, right? Not even against him, not simply against Judah, but against the Lord. And so this is a great victory. Um, God is certainly pleased, and Asa and the people, they continue to follow the Lord, which is basically what chapter 15 of Second Chronicles gives us more detail of. Um, the Lord's response to this, and he's, he's pleased, and Asa continues to lead uh, the, the kingdom in victory um, and in obedience to the Lord. And there's some things that I think that we can learn from this, because uh, obviously we fight battles in our lives. Um, and, and we walk with the Lord, and, and we need to rely on him in the battles in our lives and in our, in our walk with him. So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight. But um, all of this obedience and righteousness that, that Asa has been living up to this point, it kind of carries on through like the 35th year of his reign. Uh, all, the way for, all the way 35 years into it, there's peace and there's righteousness. Which is, so since that battle with the Ethiopians, which is going to bring us up to speed in our story. Well, there's like something like 24 years of peace since the battle of the Ethiopians. How, how many of you guys are 20, at least 24 years old? Okay, all right, so half-ish, right. So like at least, you know, longer than some of us, have, some of you, uh, have been alive. Uh, you know, we're talking peace and righteousness um, under the reign of Asa. So like I said, he's a, he's a good king, and there's not really a lot of bad things to say about him up to this point. But of course, the fact that we're in this series and looking at them, uh, there is something bad to say, and so we're going to look at that uh, in our passage tonight. So we're in Second Chronicles chapter 16, and we're going to look at, at what went wrong. How did he blow it? And so we're, we're going to read this whole chapter. Uh, it's only 14 verses. So hang with me, and we're going to look at Second Chronicles 16, verses 1 through 14. It says, And the Bible says, In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go, break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto the king of Asa, and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they smote Ejon and Dan and Abel-Maim and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass, when Baasha heard it, that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof, wherewith Baasha was building, and he built therewith Geba and Mizpah. And at that time Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf, behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, 
Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in a prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulchres, which he made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed which was filled with sweet odors and diverse kinds of spices prepared by the apothecary's art, and they made a very great burning for him. So there it is. So after this long stretch of peace with Judah, Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, they come and set up a blockade kind of a deal uh, at Ramah with the intent of war against Judah. And apparently Israel and Syria had an alliance um, up to this point. So Asa's solution is he pays off Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, to break his alliance with Israel. And so he does, and, and he attacks Israel, uh, forcing them to give up the blockade at Ramah. Asa then takes everything that they left, and he fortifies Judah with it. But God, of course, is displeased, and he sends Hanani to Asa to call him out on his foolish plan to win the battle rather than relying on God. Hanani lays out the consequences, and Asa's ticked. He, Asa throws him in prison, and he kind of loses it. And eventually he gets a disease in his feet, and he dies. The end. Uh, have a good night. Yeah. Well, okay, so clearly some things went wrong here. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. Asa's end was pretty rough. No, he didn't serve other gods um, or anything to that extent. Um, Actually, it says in chapter 15 that his heart was perfect all his days. Um, So we didn't seek after any other gods or anything. Um, But nonetheless, his end wasn't so blessed, was it? And what went wrong was where he ended up putting his trust and his hope. Uh, is that's when he relied upon uh, these things we're going to look at tonight instead of God. Um, so before we jump into those, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for who you are. Um, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love toward us, and certainly your display of that um, through your Son. Um, and uh, his incredible display of power um, rising from the grave and um, allowing us to be restored to you and, and giving us your spirit. And uh, We're just so grateful for that. Um, as we open your word together, Lord, I just pray that you would be our teacher, that, that your spirit would be our teacher, and that we could apply these things to our lives, and uh, we could walk away changed because of it. Um, we love you and just want you to get the glory um, from all that we say and do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, what we're looking at tonight then is some, some uh, things I'm going to caution you about uh, to not allow these things to replace your reliance on God. And so I think there's some things that Asa allowed to replace his reliance on the Lord, and this is where some things went wrong. And so your first point is physical resources or things. Um, Asa relied on physical resources and things instead of God. And we can see this uh, right out of the gate, out of the first couple verses in chapter 16. They say again, verse 2, Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There's a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, as if he wouldn't have seen it. I, s- I have sent thee silver and gold. Just, just notice that, Ben-Hadad. Uh, Go, break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from thee. 
right? And then, of course, his little plan works. Ben-Hadad um, responds, right? And so after Israel forsakes Ramah, if you jump down to verse 6, then Asa the king took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof, therewith, uh, wherewith Baasha was building, and he built therewith Geba and Mizpah. So the timber, the, you know, he went and stole all the physical things um, that they had there. And so, of course, we already saw Asa's problem, and that's that Israel was strategically building Ramah to set themselves up, set, them, set themselves up against Judah, right? And so what we just read was Asa's response to that. And so we see him use his physical resources, his, certainly his money, to bribe Ben-Hadad to break his union with the Israelites. And of course, he, he does this instead of relying on God. He was trusting in his physical wealth and relying on that to solve his problem. So like we just saw in verse 6, after his plan worked, um, because these physical resources are so important to him, such an integral part of his plan, uh, what he's relying on, uh, well, when Israel forsakes their physical things, he's quick to go gather them back up, aren't, isn't he? Because um, his comfort, his comfort was bound up in these physical resources. So the more he had, the more security he felt. So by golly, there's some over there. I better go get them. And, and that's the issue. The issue isn't necessarily that he had physical wealth and resources. The issue is that he found himself relying on those things. That's where his trust was. That's how he found peace. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. We can't find ourselves trusting in riches. That will be our downfall. And it definitely led Asa down a dark road that caused him to finish rather poorly. Loving money is a good sign that you rely on it. And it's the love of money that's the root of all evil, First Timothy 6.10. So, so in Proverbs 11.28, notice the contrast between trusting in riches or being righteous. Because you're, you're either going to trust in riches, but the righteous, right? So we can't, we can't find ourselves loving money or wealth or physical resources um, because we will then find ourselves trusting money or wealth and physical resources. Paul commands Timothy to charge those that are rich in this world to not trust in their wealth in 1 Timothy 6.17. He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, here it is, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. We need to take heed that we don't find ourselves trusting in or relying on any physical resources that we have but our reliance needs to solely be on God. But in that verse, in 1 Timothy 6, 17, notice the balancing principle. Those riches do ultimately come from God, right? He's the giver. So again, it's not that physical wealth is bad in and of itself. It's just that relying on it instead of God is bad. And we know that anything God has entrusted to us is an opportunity for us to be faithful with, right? Um, we need to be good stewards of, of the things that he has entrusted to us. Um, so we need to exercise wisdom with those things, certainly. And we can even see this balancing principle earlier in, in Ace's life. Uh, we talked about his initial righteousness in the first 10 years of his reign, um, where he, whether he had righteousness and he had peace uh, during that time. Um, but we didn't look exactly at what he was doing with his physical resources. So let's look at that real quick. Uh, back in chapter 14, 2 Chronicles 14, Uh, verses 6 and 7 say, And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities, and make about them walls, and towers, 
gates and bars while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Asa fortified the kingdom of Judah during that time. He was wise with his money and his resources. So we need to be faithful with them, certainly. Just, just don't allow those things to be what you're relying on. And even though we see Asa's prosperity and his faithfulness during this time, we see also that he's not trusting in those things. So during Asa's first battle we looked at, looked at earlier with the Ethiopians, notice that he doesn't trust in those things at all. His reliance totally was on God. In verse 11 of Second Chronicles 14, it says, And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. So it, he can, the Lord can, can help with many or with few. Yeah, but it doesn't exactly say that. It says with many or with them that have no power. And he goes on to say, you know, and turns toward the Lord, right? And so Asa, he knew that they didn't have any power. Whatever resources they had, it wasn't enough. They totally needed to rely on the Lord. And the Lord came through. He did the work. But clearly, this wasn't the case. This perspective wasn't the case in Asa's battle against Israel. So it's, it's not about the wealth of the resources. It's about whether or not those things have a reliance or not. So I'm not telling you to give everything that you have away, um, leave here with nothing, um, and, or just squander what you do have because it doesn't matter anyway, right? Like, I'm not telling you that. No, you need to be a good steward of what God has entrusted to you. Um, you just need to view it correctly. So maybe one of the battles you face, all right, let's, we're going to get real deep. Okay, so maybe one of the battles you face is porn. Uh, maybe that means you should have accountability software on your phone. That's a physical resource you can take advantage of. However, that doesn't mean that you should be relying on that software to win the battle for you. No, you need to rely on God to get the victory in that battle. The software doesn't solve the problem. God does. Or, maybe you're a good American and you want to buy some insurance to cover your every need. Um, you know, maybe most of you aren't in this stage of life yet, but it'll probably come. Uh, let me caution you about it. Uh, it probably won't be long. So, as Americans, we rely heavily on financial resources. Uh, and, and so we rely heavily on insurance. But having insurance doesn't safeguard you from having anything bad happen, does it? Bad things still happen. So why do so many Americans take rest in insurance? Well, now, again, don't hear me wrong. Insurance can be a wise thing if it's deployed in the right way. Actually, I think having the right insurance is being part of, of being a good steward um, with, as your financial plan. But, you know, I have plenty of insurance in place. But, but the temptation is to find your comfort and your peace in the fact, in the fact that you have insurance. The temptation is to rely on that, right? Well, no, listen, it doesn't ha matter how much insurance you have, you can still die tomorrow, or somebody can still sue you for more than you got. Like, God has to be your source of comfort and peace. God is still the one in control. God is still where your reliance needs to be, no matter what. So no amount of physical resources can replace him. So don't view physical resources and don't use them like they do. And so that was the first problem that we see that, that Asa had where he went wrong. Um, but the next thing we see that, that replaces reliance on God are people resources. And that, of course, is found in others. And so like we saw in the first couple of verses, uh, we'll look at them one more time. 
Second Chronicles 16, verse 2. So then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and he sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, so he's looking towards that guy, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, verse 3, there's a league between me and thee. There he is again, there's the others. As there was between my father and thy father. Right? And so he, you know, he urges Ben-Hadad to, to take his deal. Uh, and so I did some research, but the, what, what was this league between Asa's father and Ben-Hadad's father? And I couldn't find it. But I'm confident there was something, because it's in the Bible. Um, it doesn't matter. So, but nonetheless, uh, this little squirmish against, skirmish against Israel uh, and Asa, he, he turns to Ben-Hadad uh, for help, right? And not to the Lord. And that he was trying to play off of the people resources that he had between his father and Ben-Hadad's father. And so Asa turns to people for his help. He's got a battle to fight, and his answer for victory is found in the people that he can use. And, and Asa knew better. We already saw him win in this area of his life previously. Again, with this battle of the Ethiopians, uh, like the physical resources, um, he certainly had the opportunity to trust in people resources, and he didn't. Look back in chapter 14 again, verses 9 and 11. And there came out against, him, against them Zerah, the Ethiopian, with an host of a thousand thousand that's 1,000 people times 1,000. That's a million. And 300 chariots, and came to Meresha, right? Then Asa, verse 10, went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathah at Meresha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, It is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we, fight, or for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. He calls them a multitude, Right? So even with a multitude of people against him, Asa knew that God plus him was a majority. Anybody plus God is a majority. As long as he relied on God, his people resources didn't matter. With God, he could win the battle, and we saw that he did. And God acknowledged this too uh, when he had the prophet Hanani confront him in 2 Chronicles 16.8. He said, Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord... He delivered them into thine hand. Okay, but now these many years later, Asa finds himself relying on others instead of God. And just like with money and physical resources, we already saw that not relying on God is a matter of your heart. As Asa's heart departed from the Lord, he lost his reliance on God in his battles. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. And so God, in, in a roundabout way, he kind of cursed Asa with this disease in, in his feet during his last days. Uh, we saw that in verse 12 of chapter 16. It says, And Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord but to the physicians. But, so that's true, but look at Asa's response in that. Even in his last days he didn't seek the Lord in his health troubles. He was still relying on people to solve his problems. He, he turned to the physicians, right? Honestly, I think this disease was God's last attempt to get Asa's attention. The disease was in his feet because he was running to man instead of God. And Asa refused to change. He still didn't rely on the Lord. I believe God wanted to heal him if, if Asa was willing to turn and run to the Lord. Um, certainly because of the way that this is phrased here in this verse. Uh, it says specifically that even with this great disease, yet 
he sought not to the Lord. Even that wouldn't get him to change. So Asa never really recovers from this temptation to rely on his people resources instead of reliance on God. And it was his downfall. How sad. Psalm 118.8 says, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So when it comes to your walk with God, how much does it rely on people? Do you know God and his word personally? Or do you just know what other people tell you, what the pastors tell you? If I was to renounce my faith tomorrow, would that mean that some of you renounce yours? Obviously, I'm not gonna. (laughs) But I think you see my point. We've talked before And we talk often in this church about studying God's word for yourself, 2 Timothy 2.15, about being a good Berean and searching the scriptures daily like the Bereans did in Acts 17.11. Well, do you do those things? Or do you rely on me or Bryce or Bruno or our pastors to tell you the truth? You need to interact with the truth itself, you and it. You need to rely on the Lord yourself. Don't hear me wrong. Yeah, the church, our pastors, and the authorities God's put in our lives, they're there for our good and protection, and, and we should follow them. And God will use them in our lives for spiritual, spiritual growth. I mean, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, it says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. But just like with physical resources, your reliance still needs to be on God and not man. This is even true of widows. Widows that truly have no one else in their life to support them and they, they literally live off of the church. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, and he tells him to take care of true widows, uh, of widows that are widows indeed. And, and look at Paul's description of a widow that's somebody that's in that circumstance, a woman whose physical resource is completely reliant uh, uh, on the people of the church. 1 Timothy 5, 5, he says, Now she is a widow indeed and desolate, or she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in God. And continue with the supplications and prayers night and day. A widow has to rely on the church more than anyone. And yet she is still to rely on God. She needs to trust God to provide for her, not man. So this principle is true of us all. I will let you down. The pastors will let you down. I'm not perfect. They're not perfect. At some point in time, some person that has spiritual influence in your life is going to do something that has a negative impact on your relationship with them, and potentially with God. And in that moment, you're going to have to decide who you're relying on. Yourself, or are you relying on that person, or are you relying on God? But concerning the battles in your life, specifically, only God can fight them for you. We can help encourage you and stand alongside you, but you have to rely on God for your victories, the small ones and the great ones playing off of the, the porn thing, or whatever, any sin. Do, do you have an accountability partner? There can be wisdom in that, certainly. But you can't be relying on an accountability partner for your victory. I assure you, that doesn't work. Accountability has a great use and application. But in the end, you are accountable to God, and no one can replace that. You need to get to the place where God is your accountability partner, and that is enough. Because ultimately, he is the only one you can rely on to obtain the victory, not on any human accountability partner. There was a time in my life that I thought I just needed to increase the level of spiritual maturity of my accountability partner in order to gain victory in my life. That'll solve my problem if they're more mature, right? 
And eventually, I made my way all the way up to having a pastor as my accountability partner. And eventually, just like the others, you know, it worked temporarily, but eventually I found myself in the same place in the end, a reoccurring cycle of sin. And that's because you can't rely on your people resources around you, even though they may be given by God. But you can't rely rely on them instead of relying on God. It's time to grow up. We need to find our accountability in the only source that works in God. And so there was the second problem that Asa had. And finally, the last thing we need to to take caution in to not allow to replace our reliance on the Lord. And that's personal resources. Certainly yourself. So we saw what what Asa did to solve his problem. And at the end of the day, he came up with a plan. It was his idea. He implemented it. And it worked. And we saw that God wasn't pleased. So God had the prophet Hanani tell Asa what God thought, which wasn't, it wasn't really even that harsh of a rebuke. I mean, if we're thinking about harsh rebukes, uh, this, this isn't necessarily at the top of the list. It, it wasn't even as harsh as the rebuke of the prophet Nathan to King David with David's sin. Uh, Nathan explained the whole, story, the whole story, got David to agree with him. He was mad, kill that guy. And Nathan's like, you're the guy. And David's like, oh, okay, darn, uh, you know. But, but Hanani's rebuke, God's rebuke through him to, to, to Asa, it was pretty short, pretty straightforward, and it's pretty simple. And uh, God basically said, you know, you didn't rely on me. You're a fool. That was dumb. And now your problem isn't actually solved, but you're going to have wars. And honestly, I kind of would have expect, expected, with, with Asa's good history, I would have expected him to say, eh, darn it, you're right. Okay. Well, like, God didn't even really ask him to do do anything like there wasn't some great serious sin that he had to correct he just he made a foolish decision and he had to live with the consequences of it right but look at that we saw his response look at it again in, in verse 10 of chapter 16 it says then asa was wroth with the seer he put him in a prison house for he was in a rage with him because of this thing and asa oppressed some of the people at the same time so asa totally loses it he completely flips out He wasn't just irritated or simply angry. He was in a rage. He had wrath towards Hanani. He totally took this personally, which, I mean, yeah, it was, but I think his level of anger, it was way out of proportion to the situation. He was far more angry than he should have been. He even turns on some of the people, which is probably because he was a good king up to that point, and, like, they were following the Lord, and they saw him not, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, it's he probably is mad at him because they're like doing the right thing, which is kind of his fault for, from his, for his life up to this point. And he, but he turns on some of them. And like we already saw, he never does repent. He never does get it right. He appears to never rely on God again, even in the disease that he had. This was a point of no return for him. He relied on himself, his wits, his negotiating skills, instead of just laying it all out before the Lord. And at this point in his life, he was a well-seasoned king. He had plenty of experience, lots of years behind him. And at the end of the day, I think he found his identity in that instead of God. That's why he felt so attacked and he got so angry. He had lost his focus. He had shifted his his reliance, and he didn't even realize it. Have you ever started doing something new? Like, I don't know, playing, got a new video game, you're jumping online, trying to to get in the ranks, or learn a new skill, uh, maybe trying to learn to cook, uh, play an instrument, 
play a new sport uh, or whatever. Well, when you just start, when you're just beginning, uh, you're usually not the best, um, certainly not in comparison to others that have been doing it a long time. And that's not a big deal to you, is it? it you know, you, it's not the end of the world. You don't care as much. You just started. But as you begin to invest more time into it, you kind of, you know, you begin to improve, you see improvement, and you care a lot more, don't you? Uh, and then after you've been more seasoned at that thing, this hypothetical situation, somebody comes up to you, you're, after you're more seasoned, they come up to you. In your mind, they're inferior to you uh, at whatever this thing is. And they either, you know, they, they try to give you advice or God forbid they, they beat you or whatever. And uh, you're pretty upset, aren't you? It, it really gets at you. Why is that? Other than pride, which certainly is at play, I think it's because you've begun to find your identity in that thing and your reliance has shifted to yourself and your abilities. You define yourself in that. So as a side application, I mean, you certainly, in that situation, typically you're acting all defensive. But you act defensive because whether you recognize it or not, what you feel vulnerable in that situation. So when you're acting defensive, that, that can be an indicator to you that this, is, this situation is probably what's going on. You feel like your identity is being attacked. That's because you've allowed your identity to get wrapped up in yourself and not in God. You've lost your focus. You're not relying, or you're relying on yourself. You're not relying on God. So, so as a side application, typically when you recognize that you're in a situation where you're acting defensive, recognize that. Let that be a sign to you that, all right, it's probably an indication that you might have something to learn here. But... You won't see it until you drop your guard and stop relying on yourself. So, okay, so back to our story with Asa. I I think that's what was going on with him. So when Hanani calls him out on on his problem, Asa feels like it's a personal attack because in his mind, Asa's identity was under attack. And his level level of anger shows that he felt like he was under attack, which is because he was relying on himself and what he did what he did, of course. Um, And so instead of lowering his defenses and dropping his reliance on himself and hearing God, he gets angry. Well, I mean, long before this, he should have have taken heed to the wisdom of his great-grandfather Solomon, Proverbs 3, 5, where he wrote, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, King Asa. Somehow, Asa convinced himself that his plan was good And his understanding of the situation was sufficient. Yet it wasn't what God wanted because it meant Asa wasn't trusting him. And we serve the same God today, right? God wants us to lean on his understanding and not our own. God wants us to rely on him and to trust him with all of our heart. So whether we're talking about using our own skills and abilities to solve our problems or making our own plan or whatever, we need to make sure that our reliance isn't on ourselves in that. The Apostle Paul had a lot going on for him in his past life. He had education, he had status, he had authority, and he probably had the wealth to go with those things. If anyone could rely on themselves, it could have been him. He kind of said this in Philippians 3, 4. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So, I mean, Paul recognized that. Yet, if we go down a couple verses in Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8, here's what his conclusion was. He says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. 
Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul knew his flesh had nothing to offer, no value, nothing to rely on when it comes to spiritual life. He calls it dung. We talked about having accountability software on our technology as a physical resource or an accountability partner as a people resource. But, you know, we've all told ourselves a time or two in the past that, eh, we just need to try harder, and that'll fix it. Haven't we said that? That's called trying to follow Christ in your flesh. And then that never works out in the long run, does it? No, we need to be like Paul, and our complete and total reliance needs to be on God. That's how we win battles, and that's how we should walk this Christian life. Paul hazarded, hazarded his life for the Lord. And God brought him through it according to God's plan, not Paul's. And whether God's plan is to get us through this life safely or or not, we know that God will ultimately come through for us in the end. We just need to rely on him. That's the perspective that we need to have. We need the perspective of Job, like Job had. In Job 13, 15, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. Or like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or maybe otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we need to be willing to rely on God eternally and allow that to drive our obedience to serve him now, regardless of the consequences, right? So we've seen these two battles in Asa's life, and we've seen the right approach and the wrong approach, but we didn't really talk about the scale and the stakes of each battle much. In Asa's first battle against the Ethiopians, Although he had been building resources and fortifying Israel up to that point, he still found himself in a vulnerable situation. He had resources, but not like the Ethiopians did. At least certainly not in that moment. Asa didn't have all the power and the strength and the resources that the Ethiopians boasted, and they had him outnumbered. They were totally set up to get wiped out. Yet they trusted in God. They relied on him rather than their own resources, and it all worked out. That was a huge moment. It was a giant battle, battle, a great success. God gave them the victory. So if Asa was successful in such a battle as that, surely he would have been successful in smaller future battles, right? Yet that's not what we see. That's not how it went. By comparison, this battle with Israel seems like a small deal. Israel hadn't even attacked them yet. There was not even an immediate battle or an immediate threat. It was still afar off. Whereas on the other hand, the Ethiopians, they were gathered before them, ready to attack. That was an immediate life or death situation. So why in the world didn't the battle with Israel go so well? Well, somewhere along the way, at some point in those 24-ish years since then, Asa had let his guard down and took his reliance off of God. He gained more resources and power. He had blessing from God, and he had a long run of peace. And he put his reliance on his physical resources, his human resources, and on himself. And he leveraged those things and relied on those things for his success instead of God. And he blew it. And how often does this happen in our lives? Hopefully, you get the big things right. Don't kill people. Don't steal. You know, don't cuss, smoke, chew, or run with girls that do, or whatever the, the saying is. <laughs> okay, but for real, if, if we can win the big la- battles in our lives, why is it that we can't win the little ones? 
or maybe you're losing all of them, God forbid. Uh, quit that. First um, Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore, let him that standeth, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Listen, don't trust in blessings. Trust in the blesser. Don't trust in the created. Trust in the creator. Don't trust in your plan. Trust in the plan. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in him. If he is the I am, by definition, I am not. He is everything, and I am nothing. We have to rely on God. There's no other way. So, so with Asa's battle with Israel, back to that real quick. Notice that even though Asa was victorious against Israel, uh, you know, I mean, it, they, they kind of went away. It, the problem left. Okay, so he's kind of victorious, but, but his plan did have some consequences because of what happened, because of what he did. Uh, look at verse 7 again, Second Chronicles 16. And at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. And if you jump down to verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So he was never able to conquer the Syrians and others as a result of his misplaced reliance. Actually, Israel was a, an enemy of the Syrians, Israel, Judah. The, the Syrians were enemies for years and years and years to come. So, so take note. Any victories that you have in your life, they may only be temporary if you're relying on God. And you may even nullify previous battles that you've won on top of that. So we need to always be relying on God, even in the small battles. We need to be relying on him continuously in this life. Rely on him for the major battles, for the minor battles. Rely on him instead of physical resources or people resources or personal resources. Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. If our reliance is on God, then we got nothing to worry about in the long run. God will take care of us. We're guaranteed life eternal. So even if this life doesn't pan out, it will in the next. It will be worth it. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? So let's rely on him. As we go into this holiday season, let's rely on him for conversations with family. Uh, let's rely on him this next year to not make bad decisions and do stupid things, uh, big things or, or small things. Uh, let's, let's seek him and be righteous and follow him and rely on him. Let's pray. Lord God, uh, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you so much that <laughs> that you're so gracious toward us. Uh, you know, we, we struggle with this daily. We, we turn ourselves back, uh, we, we get ourselves off the cross. We turn our focus back on ourselves and uh, you're faithful to remind us uh, of those things and, and to bring us back to you, whether it's through hardship in life uh, or, or whatever it is that we're facing, Lord. Uh, we're always reminded that, that we need to rely on you and truly that's the only way that we can obtain victory. Um, teach us how to do that. Uh, we're, we're nothing, uh, and you're everything. So forgive us when we haven't relied on you, and, and we, we thank you for your grace um, that we get to press on, that you want to use us at all, even when we blow it, but um, you're so gracious toward us, and we're so grateful for that, Lord. I, I pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't waste that, that grace toward us, but that we could rely on you uh, to do incredible things in the time that we have left on this planet.
Uh, thank you for this time together uh, every Tuesday that we get to meet. Um, thank you for providing your word that we can learn from it, apply it to our lives, become uh, more like you and more submitted, submitted to you as a result. Help us to do that. Um, and we love you. And we want to please you in all that we do the rest of this week. It's in the name, your name we pray. Amen.